Ministry Mentorship, Episode 33. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study uh, taking place on February 25th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Pastor Micah Wisdom will be our speaker, and he'll be talking about developing our character. And this is going to be a great Bible study, and I know that you want to make time to join us for that. Uh, go to ministrymentorship.com backslash Bible dash study, or you can look for the Bible study link on our website under the resources uh, menu. Uh, let me just say that if you have a, a question, a testimony, or a comment about ministry mentorship, you can send an email to jacobtapia at ministrymentorship.com. That's Jacob Tapia at ministrymentorship.com. And I've already heard from some of you, and, and I appreciate you sending the emails, word of encouragement, any, any thoughts that you have to help us better this program. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. In this episode, we're going to be talking with church planner Jimmy Tony. Brother Tony is the founding pastor of the Lexington Tabernacle Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and he is a passionate uh, minister and preacher. Uh, he loves people, and he has just a tremendous voice in the apostolic church and has uh, really been greatly used by God in, in speaking into this generation. Uh, let's join the conversation now. Well, we're here today with Pastor Jimmy Tony. He's a pastor in Lexington, Kentucky, and he's been there about a year and a half um, starting a church. I first met Brother Tony when he was in Omaha, Nebraska, doing a great work out there, him and his wife and their daughter. Just appreciate his ministry. He's been involved in ministry for 23 years and has just been a phenomenal voice to, uh, to our movement, to our young people. Uh, Brother Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening in, in Lexington. Well, like you said, I've been here about a year and a half. We started weekly services in October of 2012, and um, starting this is our second church to start. And so, man, things are things are so good. And, you know, to be honest, I feel like we're ahead of the curve when it comes to church planning stuff. So, even if I wanted to complain, I wouldn't complain. Things are things are going very, very good. We've got Bible studies going, brand new people coming to church, getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. So just all the all the things that uh church planning is all about is taking place right here. That's awesome. Well, Brother Tony, tell us a little bit of your story and your background. All righty. I um I grew up in Leesville, Louisiana, which is about 45 miles dead west of Alexandria. And I was invited to Sunday school when I was about 10 years old to not go into a lot of detail, but we were going when I was about five, six years old, we were going to uh, an independent apostolic church, uh, even though my mom and dad was, was never really in church. But after we, we stopped going to that, we didn't go to church for, for quite a while. And then when I was about 10 years old, my cousin invited me to the UPC church in Leesville. 
uh, she, she was needing a point for her Sunday school class. And so I went to be her point and went to Sunday school class there and just literally fell in love with the atmosphere, with the class, with mm. the teachers. And uh, so that's, you know, I was 10 years old, so that's about 1983. Um, and then I got the Holy Ghost at a children's revival with Brother Dennis Wickes. He came through and was doing a children's revival. And I got the Holy Ghost September the 27th, 1985. It was on a Friday night. And then I got baptized the following weekend, Sunday the 29th. I was baptized. And uh, so I just fell in love with church at a very young age. Preached my first sermon when I was 12 years old. And preaching there was, was done in quotation marks and being very sarcastic. Uh, but our youth, youth pastor asked me if I would one night at youth service, and so that lasted every bit of about three minutes. Oh, wow. and, but it was the first time I ever stood behind a pulpit. And then a little tragedy came into my life when I was 13 years old. My my dad passed away, and uh, so that, that shocked me and, you know, kind of hit me kind of hard. I was really believing and expecting God to heal my dad. Uh, and so, But I never quit going to church. I, I always went to church. I, I don't say that in a bragging way, but I'm, I'm not sure I ever missed church. I just always went to church. It was an oasis for me. It was a safe place. I enjoyed being there. I loved everything about it. Uh, but, you know, from the time my dad passed away until I was about 16, 15, 16 years old, you know, I probably wasn't as active or as engaged in church as I needed to be, even though I was there. And the Lord really began to deal with me. And uh, kind of told me to quit feeling sorry for myself and start serving him again with no agenda and quit being a victim. And so when I was about 15 or 16, I got real serious about living for God. And then I preached my first revival when I was 17 years old in Rose Pine, Louisiana. And then I've been preaching pretty much ever since. When I graduated high school, I went to Texas Bible College. And I graduated from TDC in 1995. Tell us about the first time you preached. Tell us a little bit more about that. How did that go? <laughs> well, I got a call to go preach a revival, which was just very funny to me because I'd never really preached and I didn't even have sermons. So, <laughs> But I went to preach this little youth revival in a community about 15 miles away from where I grew up and uh, you know, the the first night was was bearable, I guess. The second night was probably forgettable at best. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, that third night, for the first time ever, I really felt the anointing. I mm. felt the unction. And, uh, you know, it's, it's real hard to explain that, but to... For everyone that has felt that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, and so from that moment forward, I knew, you know, this this is what I'm called to do. Mm -hmm. I'd always wanted to preach, even go back to I was five years old. I just when I went to that first apostolic church, you know, I'd go back home and I would go into the bathroom and I'd stand up in front of the mirror and I take a hairbrush and 
I'd act like I was preaching and I would take toilet tissue and act like that was my handkerchief. And, you know, I would mimic preaching. I always loved preaching. And so I always wanted to preach. I tell people all the time, I'm not, and I mean this, I'm not sure that God has ever called me to preach. Um, I just think God honored my desire. And I can I can tell you the day, and I already have, when I got the Holy Ghost, I can take you to the spot where I asked my wife to marry me. And I mean, you know, you've got these events that become very calendar events. You can put your finger on a date and say this happened on this day. But, you know, I don't, I don't have one of those events for being called to preach. I just really I feel like God just honored that desire. And sometimes I think we're waiting on you know, big lights in the sky or fireworks to go off when when really God's just looking for a willing vessel that would be willing to say, hey, God, you can you can trust me with this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you talked about, you know, how God had been begun to deal with you about getting more involved. And and I'm assuming you didn't just, you know, start out preaching. Obviously, there were some transitional time there when you were getting involved in things and, and talk a little bit about that early the early part of your ministry well you know even like when I was in the youth group I would I was very involved in the youth group I would go and speak uh, at the nursing home I would uh, and, and and you know I've learned that if you can if you can preach at a nursing home <laughs> sure, then you can preach anywhere that's right uh, but but we would uh you know, I also played a trumpet, so we'd go up there and, and have a little nursing home service. Um, you know, I would I would try to be a witness anywhere I could. I mean, I didn't just go straight to the to the pulpit. And I mean, you know, I had I had my fair share of battles and I had my my fair share of obstacles and and people trying to stand in my way, people trying to tell me that I wasn't called, that I couldn't be called. You know, I had one man in particular tell me that um, when I was 17 years old and, and was really wanting to pursue this, you know, he, he kind of reminded me of where I came from, uh, reminded me who I was, or maybe more importantly at that time, who, you know, who I wasn't. And because of all these factors, you know, he, he let it be known that I would never be able to preach and I would never make it in, in ministry. And, and so, you know, I had, I had a lot of hurdles to to jump and some hurts to overcome uh but you know i preached that that one revival when i was 17 and, and i don't want to make it sound like from then on i was preaching every weekend uh that that would not be that would not be truth at all but i when i graduated high school i moved to a little town called georgetown louisiana and uh, when when i first started going to the church in leesville Brother David Tipton was the assistant pastor there and really took a liking to me and just really kind of made me one of his family. And so I became, you know, a brother to his boys. And he was always very good to me, you know, would, would buy my clothes for youth camp, would help me in, in various ways. And so when I graduated high school, I moved in with the Tiptons and they were pastoring in Georgetown, Louisiana at that time. And, um, you know, I was I was a youth leader. Uh, that that's long before we had youth pastors. A youth leader was a a phrase that we gave somebody that 
you know, we wasn't even sure they were called to preach, but we just wanted to try them out. And so I, yeah. that was, if you look youth leader up in the Greek, that's what it means. <laughs> yeah. So I was a youth leader. And, um, and while I was doing that, I really felt the burden that, you know, if I'm going to preach and if I'm going to, if I'm going to make this a, for lack of a better term, a career, if this is what I want to devote my life to, uh, I, I need to go to Bible college. Hmm. And, uh, so then I, I, uh, in February of 93, I, I graduated May of 92, but I missed the first semester of Bible college, but I enrolled in the second semester of Bible college. And, uh, you know, through a period of transition without doubt, that was the greatest decision when it comes to ministry that I've ever made was to go to Bible college. And it really began to equip me, ground me, teach me, uh, it allowed me to meet some of some of the best people in the world, gave me connections that I still have today, uh, that has just really shaped who I am. So that that was a and because of Bible college I didn't meet I didn't meet my wife at Bible college. She had went to Jackson, but she was from the Houston area. So because I went to Bible college, then I was able to meet my wife. And so it's been a great, a great decision. Hmm. Well, we, and you're talking about TBC. We just recently lost one of the soldiers of the faith with a Kilgore. And, uh, any, any thoughts on brother Kilgore? Oh, well, brother Kilgore is exactly what everybody said he was. And probably, a, probably a whole bunch more, uh, probably one of the most humble men. I mean, I remember him being on campus and he was, he was, he was never assistant general superintendent Kilgore. He was never district superintendent Kilgore. He was never, I'm pastoring a very large growing church Kilgore. He was just always brother Kilgore. He made every student feel important, feel valuable. And he would listen to us. He would talk to us. And, uh, you know, so as a young preacher and especially getting a little older, looking back, those are, those are moments that, that are just as important in my opinion as, as some classroom moments, yeah. just looking back and going, Hey, that man did not have to speak to me. He was busy. He was involved with many more issues, but yet he, he loved young preachers enough that he would take time and, you know, but I also believe with these men passing away, and that's that always will be a void. I, you know, I don't know that there's supposed to be another James Kilgore. I don't know that there's supposed to be another G.A. Mangan. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know that there's supposed to be another Jacob Tapia. You know, I think, I think God just calls us. And while, while we miss those pioneers, I do believe the church is in great hands. And the future is is brighter than it's ever been. And you know, we to, to that for that cliche, you know, there will be people to fill those shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we will have our own generations of, of brother Kilgores and brother Mangans and brother Pews and brother Beckton's. And, and you know, so with that, I don't with with their passing, I don't. You know, I don't get all worried, like, what, what's the church going to do? Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for, for what they've given us. And now it's just our responsibility to take that and take it to the next level. 
We'll get back to the interview in just a minute, but first, I want to make you aware of a new series we're offering at Ministry Mentorship by one of the most respected Bible teachers in the United Pentecostal Church International. James Merrick has put together a powerful end-time prophecy series that we are making available for download on our website. Brother Merrick has tremendous insight into the scriptures, and I know that this series will be a valuable resource for your apostolic library. You can find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com and clicking on the products link in the menu bar. Now let's return to our interview with Pastor Jimmy Tony. Well, we had some of our listeners that uh, have sent in some questions, and I want to just go through some of these. One of the uh, listeners asked, how did you maintain your passion and your drive in the early years of ministry? Well, I would love to say that that probably just came out of heartfelt desire and prayer, and no doubt some of that would be true. Um, but, you know, I, I, I alluded a little earlier to some opposition that I had, and some, you know, particularly some people saying that I would not be able to do it. And, uh, you know, I always allowed that to fuel my passion. That if if God called me, mm-hmm. then there would always have to be somebody that would question that call, mm-hmm. and so that that questioning and that event, even though it was hurtful and it was painful, it really fueled me to become all that God would have me to be. Um, but you know, once I made up my mind, and, and I'm not against formal education, I'm not against going to college at all, but I had that opportunity to go. My college could have been paid for. Uh, when I walked away from that, I knew, okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. So just that revelation in and of itself was um, was was a drive for me to just, you know, this is what I want to do, and I want to become, I want to become everything that God would have me to become. And so, you know, and I'm still becoming, and in ten years I'll still be coming, and. You know, I just want to, I want to continue to grow. I don't ever want to reach a place where I go, okay, now I have arrived. I want, I want challenges to continue to present themselves. I want to be able to, to continue to refocus my vision to something bigger and greater than I am and where I am. Uh, and so the same drive that propelled me as a young minister has to be the same drive that's propelling me today. And it's going to have to be the same drive as, propelling me in 10 years. In other words, I just want to please God. You know, I'm 40 years old. I don't have, you know, I don't have a whole bunch of time left if God tarries, but I I do want to be able to pass away and having left my fingerprints on this earth trying to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And so the, it's just, you know, that same drive to, you know, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, is the same drive that I have today. Just I'm starting the church. You know, if it's if we don't if we don't you know if we don't put everything we've got into this, there won't be a church here. There won't be souls saved. Yeah. And so you know that that I, I'm kind of losing uh, lack of words there, but just I want to say passion, but that that word sometimes is so over overused. Yeah. But it, you just gotta have that inward drive that this is what I'm gonna do. No matter what other people are saying about me, no matter if I'm all by myself, no matter if everybody else is doing something else, this is what God's called me to do, 
and I'm going to stay focused to that. Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. Now talk to that young person that is saying, you know, I'm, I'm introverted. I'm, I feel like God's re- leading me to ministry, uh, but I'm, I'm a very quiet, reserved, maybe shy person. What, what would you say to someone that is naturally more introverted to help them in their people skills? Yeah, well, obviously, we all want to become better people, um, you know, and so I would think any any young preacher could talk to his pastor about those concerns and, and ask for some hands-on help with how to overcome that, uh, put yourself in, in positions where you have to talk to people, you know, so you have to start overcoming that uh, awkwardness of, of of doing things that you're not used to doing. With that being said, though, I would like to... And, and, you know, you may have to edit this out, but I would like to, to make the point that I believe that when God calls us, he calls us. Hmm. In other words, he knew, he knew my personality when he called me. Right. So therefore, he probably wanted to use me the way that I was, not in the sinful state. But just my my pers- my personality, and sometimes I think I see young preachers working so hard to change who they are hmm. to become somebody they're not, and, and they're they're going to end up frustrated. They're going to end up feeling like a failure. When in reality, yes, we can all do better, and yes, we all need to become better people. But you know, I'm I'm five foot eight. I can I can study and pray and mm-hmm. do a lot of different things, but tomorrow I'm going to be five foot eight, and you know it's just the way it is. And so, use your personality, use your strengths, and and you know don't don't necessarily always try to change who you are. If you know because if God saved you and if God called you, then He's going to allow you to do what I can't do, and that doesn't make you less than or greater than it just means that he's calling you and so you know i think we have to become very comfortable being who we are and and walking in our own skin so to speak and so you know i do think there are some exercises and things we can do to become uh people friendly folks but yet at the same time i'm you know, you're never going to change your personality to become some other personality type. It's just mm. not going to happen. And and so if you know that going into it, it's saving a lot of frustration down the road. Very good. Very good. Talk to us a little bit about your sermon at Youth Congress in 2011. Now, this is something that it, it was an amazing message and really impactful. I know our young people came back and they were talking about it, talking about the We Are Giants. What was your inspiration for that message? Well, um, you know, I, I look at that message probably a little different than some people. I, I, I look at that message as just one message of many that week. Um, and, and, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was just a good Youth Congress a needed youth Congress. And, and so, you know, I think it was the perfect storm that came together. The the whole, when I was asked to preach youth Congress, I had no idea what I was going to preach. And so in, in thinking and praying 
and studying. I uh, was sitting on a platform of the church I was pastoring uh, in Indiana. I pastored a church in Indiana for a short time after Omaha, and our youth was doing the service and was just uh, a youth service, and several of the young people were speaking. And so as I was listening and watching young people speak, you know, it just kind of hit me that, you know, we're we're probably not the underdog like the enemy would like to make us think we are. And, and so I began to think at that time that I might like to take the whole giant concept because every sermon ever preached that I've ever heard was, you know, we're the underdog, we won, we're the small man, we came out on top. Uh, and and I wanted to try to see if I could maybe change that mentality or mindset that that maybe we're not just the underdog and, and to change some of that. So as I began to work on that sermon, uh, that's what that's that's what I wanted to accomplish that night. I wanted to just for for somebody to walk out of there thinking, and if they got the Holy Ghost. They're baptized in Jesus' name. They're trying their best to live for God, but they may be the only one in their high school. But they're not, you know, they're the they're the they're the majority because God's with them. And uh, so as that sermon was beginning to develop, I was uh, probably in June before Youth Congress in August, so a few months before. I was sitting in a hotel room in Georgia. I was doing Georgia's youth camp and studying for youth congress. And, and now this sermon that I preached to youth congress, I've never preached it anywhere. Um, so, you know, it wasn't wasn't like we had a few trial runs with it to, to take out the bad parts. But as I was sitting in my hotel room, I, just my ministry in general and the way I try to preach it, it, sometimes I think it's easy for us to rely on a shout down on a lot of hype, on a lot of emotion, and, and I'm for all of that, and all of that has its place. And I, I wanted an element of that to be in my message, as I think all preachers do. Uh, but yet, at the same time, I didn't just want to take advantage of, of that audience and us all just leave just shouting and, and not remembering what we're trying to accomplish. And so I wanted to end that sermon with a more of a serious note and I was just sitting at a desk in a hotel room and I was thinking, you know, the Bible says if we want to be great, we have to become the least. And and just my mind began to think, well, if I'm preaching about being a giant for God, then maybe I need to become a little man. Maybe I need to decrease. And of course I thought of Zacchaeus and while I was just sitting there, I was like, oh, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Hmm. I can relate that to the cross. And I picked the phone up right then, and I called Brother Shea Mann, and I said, do you think there's any chance of us lowering the cross down from the ceiling? And he made some phone calls, and I guess got everything approved. And so that's kind of where that the, the sermon and then the, the, the cross concept at the end came Uh as I really I didn't just want so much maybe for people to think that we are giants as much as the cross is what makes the difference. The cross is what can take a small youth group. The cross is what can take uh, a kid from a dysfunctional home in Leesville, Louisiana, and and can you know help him go start a church. It's the cross.
cross. That's what makes us a giant, not our talents, not our abilities. And so that's kind of how all that came together. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for what the Lord did, not only that night, but I'm thankful for what the Lord did at that particular youth Congress. Amen. You know, it's, as, as I'm hearing you talk, it, it's interesting how this message kind of came together in pieces. And I think, you know, sometimes that's how sermon development is, at least for me, where I may get a piece here and a piece there, but it all kind of comes together and, and God, you know, he takes those different pieces and puts it together. I think that's very, uh, a unique way to, to look at sermon development. Yeah. The whole, we are giants, uh, asking people to, to, you know, repeat that phrase or split the, the stadium or the arena in half, you know, that came to me. I, I'm a note preacher. I'm a, I'm almost a word for word guy, you know, so if, if, I mean, I put stuff in my notes and, um, uh, so as I was going through my notes that afternoon, rehearsing those notes one more time, like two hours before service, it just hit me. I wonder if we could get away with, I wonder if people would begin to chant, we are giants. And so that was a very last minute, last minute deal that really helped, you know, kind of solidify that, that message and that theme that night. So yeah, it, it all comes in. And bits and pieces. And I've got ADD. You know, I've never been diagnosed, but if I went to the doctor, that's what they tell me. <laughs> and so after a little bit, I've got to, you know, I've got to move on, do something else, and then come back to it. And, and again, that go back to the personality. I could sit here and try to change and make myself try to be like somebody else, but then that drive me crazy, and I wouldn't get anything accomplished. So I just, I just roll with who I am and mm-hmm. allow God to work through that. You've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this ministry by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop in your ministry. Thanks for listening and God bless.